What's up, guys? My name is Jamie, and I am from Satellite Gaming. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm a gamer. No doubt. No doubt. I play shooters. I play story-based games, RPGs. Look, no shame here. I'm even a sucker for a good mobile gotcha game. I, I play board games, all of it. But, but you know what? There's one genre that I just I cannot put down. You give me a good roguelike, and oh, it is on. Now, the true definition of a roguelike, it's, it's really a never-ending debate. And as the list of roguelike games grows, the definition, it seems to be more loosely defined. But one consistent thing that you will see across any roguelike, uh, pretty much any roguelike, is permadeath. This means that when your character dies, it is game over. Back to level one with a new attempt. Now you might ask, why would anyone want to do that? To be honest, I don't really have an answer for that, but it's really fun. Now in the roguelike community, we call each attempt a run. You start a new game, you're attempting a new run. You die, your run has come to an end. You see, within each run, you face different challenges. But you also receive different buffs and items that might help you accomplish the challenges that are specific to that run. Now, beyond the buffs and items that you might receive for individual runs, many roguelikes will offer global buffs. And these global buffs will unlock after, I don't know, maybe a certain number of attempts, or after you interact with a certain character, or after you beat it on a certain difficulty. Uh, you, you get things like a permanent increase to the player's health pool, or you unlock a blacksmith shop that allows you to permanently upgrade your weapons you receive in any given run. And, and these global buffs, they'll persist through each run, regardless of any struggle the player might face. Any interaction or any difficulty change, global buffs permanently affect the gameplay experience. One could say that these buffs leave a lasting impact on the player's experience. You see, our lives and the lives of those that we are called to disciple and lead, we actually share a lot of similarities with the roguelike genre. You know, much like in a roguelike, each, each person we disciple has different needs. They have different pasts, different stories. And as their mentor, we're going to need to offer different tools for each discipleship or mentoring journey. You know, like in a roguelike, for one run, you might need a bow because there's going to be a lot of enemies that are far away. Or for one run, you might need um, a sword. Or maybe you go the pacifist route and you don't use any weapons at all. You just skip all the enemies. See, like that when we mentor someone, for, for, for one person, you might need to have knowledge on what Scripture says about patience. Another might deal with depression or anxiety. Maybe anger, envy, lust. And, and you know what? At some point, you're going to run out of tools. Whether you can admit it or not, you are not fit to handle every single situation. Not every run in a roguelike can be a victory, whether you admit it or not. At some point, you're going to lack the resources and, and perhaps the knowledge that you'll need to help a specific individual overcome a specific challenge in their life. So what can we do to ensure that every time we disciple someone, we do it in such a way that it leaves a lasting impact in their life. Now, revisiting that roguelike analogy, let's explore what global tools we have access to as we disciple others or, or we lead them, we mentor them. 
what tools can help us disciple anyone from anywhere with any background? I want to pause. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question. Now, write it down. I don't care. Wink at somebody sitting in your room with you. I don't know. Tag them in the chat. Do something. Just, just Maybe just think about their name. But think about the person that has left the greatest lasting impact in your life. And then ask yourself this one. What if someone else was asked that same question? Would anyone mention your name? Would, would anyone mention my name? Would they say, yes, Jamie has made a lasting impact in my life. I, I sit here and I think like, well, I mean, I, I kind of hope so. Like, I hope so, but, but if I'm honest with myself, what can I do to consistently make that happen? To have a lasting impact on someone else's life. Like, like, is there a concrete thing that I can do without failure that will result in, in someone else's life being positively impacted for eternity? Look, I'd, I'd love to think that I've made a lasting impact in someone else's life. To think that something I have done uh, has resulted in, in someone changing the course of their life forever or, or resulted in someone, I don't know, heading in a positive direction or, or making a change. I'd, I'd love to say that something I said or something I've done has, has changed a family tree. That's a lasting impact, right? But I've got to ask myself, do I, do I really have the power to do that? I mean, maybe. Like, maybe. It could happen at times. But can I say that I have a foolproof method? A foolproof method that will allow you and I to make a lasting impact in the life of every single person that we disciple, that we lead, that we mentor? The answer, the answer is no. I, I don't have a foolproof method that can do that. I do have a method that looks a little different, but serves the same purpose. You see, I'm, I'm going to let people down. I'm going to miss deadlines. I promise you I will forget things. <laughs> I might get angry when I shouldn't. I might get impatient when I shouldn't. It's just inevitable that I'm going to let people down. And it's inevitable that at some point, I'm going to let people down that I'm called to lead. I, I don't say that to be self-deprecating, right? I'm not beating myself up. It's, it's just a reality. And, and I hope that each and every one of us, re regardless of our confidence levels, we could, we could admit and we could say the same like, yeah, there's not really a, a foolproof method that I can use to consistently always leave a lasting impact in someone else's life. Now, through admitting this, I've, I've landed on a decision. I've decided that the most consistent thing that I can do to make a lasting impact in someone else's life is to really acknowledge that I am not the source of impact or change that someone should encounter. But I think I can point them to someone who can be. You and I can come up with methods for how we lead people. And we can probably come up with some pretty cool strategies but we're inconsistent. We're human. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that I'm sure plenty of you have heard before. Uh, it's, it's, it's in Hebrews. It says, just Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, as cliche as this verse might be, and as many times as you've probably heard it, 
please don't allow its repetition to rob you of, of how true it really is. It's, it's not without reason that I started an organization, Satellite Gaming, whose, whose mission statement is this, pointing students to Jesus Christ by building relationships through video games. Pointing people to the person of Jesus Christ, his character, his love, the stories about him leading people, pointing people to that person. That is, that is the best way that we can consistently make a lasting impact in the lives of those we lead. Now, our team at Satellite Gaming, we've worked together uh, and developed a system that it holds us accountable to our mission of pointing students to Jesus. This system, I think it could be applied in, in, any, in any space, really any digital space at least. It can be adjusted, tweaked a little bit, or, or reworded, but it, it's simple, it's easy, and it's, it's pretty fun. Now, I, I want to point out, as, as we talk about this system for a moment, the, the purpose of this is not, it's not that we're using this system so we can treat a person like a project, right? We, we've said that before. The, the reason we use this system is, is really to hold you and I and, and satellite gaming to hold us accountable to this simple concept of just pointing people to Jesus. Because I, I really believe that's the best thing we can do as we lead people. Now, if you're taking notes, you can get ready to scribble. Um, and uh, just, I don't know, use your, use your notepad, use your, use your computer, whatever. Just, just bust out some notes. We're all having a good time here. And just, just scribble away. I don't care. Doodle if you want. All right? <laughs> this system that we created at Satellite Gaming, uh, we, we call it the Waypoint System. Now, for the gamers out there, you probably have a good idea of where I'm going with the name Waypoints, right? For those of you that don't, in gaming culture, waypoints are often uh, locations on the map. They serve as a way of traveling around the world. You have like the main town, the forest, you know, this other town over here. You can teleport from, from one waypoint to the other. But another thing waypoints do just by nature is they help track progression. Each waypoint is one step closer to the final waypoint, the last level or the end goal, maybe the destination of the game. Now, as we look at the system, don't see it as like a full-on training of, of how we do ministry at Satellite Gaming. My, my hope is to show you that, that we really do value pointing people to Jesus so much that we've created a system that holds us accountable to doing so. In, in turn, you too might be purposeful in how you point people to Jesus as you lead and disciple them. Our, our Waypoint system has five steps. Five steps. And the purpose of each of these is to build up to our final destination, to follow the progression and land on, have we pointed people to Jesus Christ? Have we done that? And if we've gone through our waypoints, we can, we can say, well, we've, we've built this system with intentionality. We, we've been purposeful as we've pursued people. Um, we can only hope and pray that we've clearly pointed people to Jesus. So let's get started. Let's get into it. Waypoint number one. This is what we call drop in, okay? So waypoint number one, drop in. Now, for some waypoints, we have a nerdy term and we have an equivalent normie term, all right? Like, like this one, drop in, like in a, in a battle royale when you drop into the game. We would call this arrival. Relationships start somewhere, right? Like you showing up in someone else's life or, or maybe someone else showing up in your life. What does that look like in your context? How do people show up in your world? 
Do they watch your Twitch stream? Maybe they join your Discord server or they go to an event. Maybe they go to your church. They listen to your podcast. In our context, this is usually they show up at one of our events. They come to an after-school program. They join our Discord. It's just it's a reminder that if you want to have a lasting impact in someone else's life, you got to show up. You you got to show up. If you want to lead people, you got to meet people, right? Like it's it's just the way it works. Waypoint number two. So there's progression here, going from arrival that you show up. What's next? The next step in in this progression of relationship, or in in SG's context, uh, the progression of student ministries for us is engagement. Now we don't have like a nerdy or normy term for that one because engagement's just a universal word. But 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 this is how I'll explain this one. Imagine imagine your ministry or your stream, your Discord server, whatever your your tool is for reaching people or leading people. Imagine it was a house party. Okay, as you're having this house party, you have someone at the door that's greeting people, and uh, as they're coming into the door, you know that different people like different things, right? So like discord servers you know we have uh, anime chat over here you know uh we have the wrestling chat over here comic book chat video game chat board game chat you need to point in the right direction well the house party it's yo ping pong's in the garage we got a swimming pool outside we got a theater upstairs um people making drinks like soda okay people making drinks in the kitchen you know uh, people just hanging out like where do you where you gotta go get them get them hooked up with this house analogy but let me ask you this if you want to make this the coolest like just most dope house party ever how many people that arrive right see waypoint number one that show up that walk through that door how many of those people should you engage with we don't have control over a lot of things in our lives (laughs) we really don't i mean we have control over things i guess we have control over things in our lives but when we're interacting with other people we we can't control a lot of things we can't control how long they're going to stay at the house party we can't control if they're going to have fun if they're going to make new friends, we can't control that. But one thing we can control, how many people that show up in our lives do we greet and, and, and acknowledge and engage with, with a certain level of enthusiasm? For us at Satellite Gaming, we have a rule. It's non-negotiable. Every single person that shows up, we have a strategy and a method for engaging with them. Engaging with people. When they show up, you engage them. I, th- I think of stories like Zacchaeus or, or the woman at the well in Scripture where Jesus like sees somebody, beelines it, and just says, poof. We're having a conversation. Like, be bold, right? I always tell her, I was told, like, we have a student leader program, and I always told them, they're like, man, but it's, it's weird talking to the new person. I'm like, you know how much weirder it is for the new person to come talk to us? Like, that's weird. That's weird. Engage with people. Jesus engaged with people. We should also engage with people. Waypoint number three. So we have arrival, engagement. Waypoint number three. This is where it gets real nerdy. I'm going to continue with the house analogy, but we call this one faction finding. Normie term, it's community, guys. It's, it's community. When someone shows up at that house, right, if they've got their GameCube controller in their hand, you know what I know? They're here to play some authentic, so, some OG Super Smash Bros. Melee. All right, now some of you are like, oh, but 64. That's the real Melee. That's the real Smash Bros. I know, I know. But there's something about when somebody walks in to a gaming event and they've got their game you know you know this that if you point them to the room where smash bros is they're gonna find community they're gonna find common interests with people that's where they're going somebody walks in with a stack of their board games they got their backpack on full board games hey point it to the nerd cavern where people are playing games all right point point them over there uh somebody walks in with their keyboard and mouse you know uh show them show them where all the pc setups are 
Somebody walks in with their own ping pong paddle. Hey, you're going to find community in the ping pong area. When I, when I look at this, what, what I love so much about this, this third waypoint, factions, for us, before we even start exercising this waypoint, it's acknowledgement that people are different. People are different. And like, I want to celebrate that, don't you? Like, I think Jesus was, he was in the business of celebrating people's uniqueness. You know, look at the disciples, right? Like, like you've got a tax collector, well, several, you've got, you've got like zealots, you've got fishermen. I mean, you have murders, uh, but that's a different story. Like, I mean, you, you have this like hodgepodge of just like these weird random people, a doctor, like just random people. And Jesus in their differences, he still wanted each and every one of them to have a community, to have a place they could call home. So for us, as we continue through this progression, keep this in mind. What's the point? Am I just teaching you satellite gaming curriculum and strategy? No, no, no. I'm, I'm getting somewhere here. Our third waypoint is faction finding community. Ensure that if you want to disciple and lead people, you have, you have a way of truly connecting with them like whatever their interests are, like be inviting to people in their differences. They like horror games. They like weird zombie stuff. Like, cool. I love zombie stuff. But then I realize other people like really like zombie stuff. All right. Like, like, like embrace that. Like weird is cool. Nerd is cool. Like, like let's have no shame in this stuff. Like, like what's the weirdest, most abstract thing that you like and you know, other people like create a community for that where they can, they can find love. They can find faction. Waypoint number four. I love waypoint number four. And I think, again, in this natural progression, when they've found faction, when they've found faction, the next the next one, this is a gaming term. Um, it's used in a lot of things, actually, but it's duo queue. Duo queue, I believe that's where mentorship, relationship, like like one-on-one community, one-on-one relationship, that's where that starts to happen. So, so far, we have arrival, engagement, faction-finding, duo queue. I like to explain it like this. Um, when you, when you meet someone, let's use online relationships. Okay. Online relationship. When you meet someone online, their gamer tags like gamer Rex 267 or something crazy. I don't know. Gamer Rex. He, he shows up in your Twitch channel. You're like, Hey Rex, what's up, dude? What's up? Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, you engage with him, right? You get away from him to plug in. Oh, Hey, gamer Rex. I hear you like rocket league sweet. Come hang out on my discord exclamation point discord. Hey, go over there. Sweet, sweet. Good times, good times. Rex gets plugged into your Discord. Well, you start playing Rocket League. You're hanging out with him. You're playing Rocket League. Well, one of these times, you know what? Let's let's get you on stream with me, Rex. You're pretty good. Let's do that. Let's hang out. You're fun. You're fun, dude. Get Rex in there. Gamer Rex 267 or whatever I said. You start hanging out, and it gets to a point in the relationship where um, Rex isn't just somebody that showed up in your stream one day. He's not somebody that you just said, hey, get him out of Rex is somebody that you find yourself duo queuing within Rocket League till 2 a.m. You, know, you, you find yourself talking to Rex about uh, like real stuff, you know? Like what's really going on in his life? Now, at this point in the relationship, you've just connected on, on, on things that you've, you find interest in together. But I see duo queue as an opportunity. This Again, this waypoint stage, as an opportunity, start saying like, you know, Rex, I've played with you for like six months. Like, you mind if I ask you your name? Now that one could get weird, right? But it points out something interesting. It points out something interesting. Not often when I meet people online do they immediately say to me like, hey man, what's your name? Like, I mean, it's cool. I don't care. I, I tell them. In youth work, obviously, we, we don't go there. But 
but what I find interesting is is if it's weird to ask someone's name when you first meet them, like how much weirder is it for us to drop the Jesus bomb on them when we first meet them? Like, I think I'd probably scare people away if I asked them like, hey, what's your name? Or, hey, what school do you go to? Or, hey, where are you from? Let alone the topic of like, hey man, a dude died for you on a cross and uh, resurrected and now he wants to save your life. Like, let's just be honest and admit that if it's weird to ask for someone's name right away, it might be a little weird or, or they might see it as even inappropriate for me to impose that I could talk about Jesus or my faith before I've even gotten to know them. Duo Q, Duo Q, bringing it back to that is this. When they've gotten plugged into your community and you begin to hang out with them, I think that's the point where like you've earned the right to have some really cool conversations with them. Like what's going on in life? Like, like, you know, what, what's your dog's name? What, what's, what's your, what's, what do you like to do when you're not gaming? Right. It, it's the evolution of, of relationship. And when you get to Duo Q, I think it opens the door for what we call um, our, our, our fifth and, and last waypoint. We call it the rift. And the reason we call it the rift is um, the rift is a Bible study that we do on Tuesday nights um, on our discord with our students. But the rift, what it, what it actually is, is, is it's, this is a time where we actually get to talk about our faith and we, we get to address the rift, the divide, the separation between God and man and how Jesus is, he's the individual that fills that void. He's the individual that, that bridges the gap in that rift between us and God. And I could talk about these waypoints for hours, and, and I, I really don't want to do that to you. I, I hope that this ends up being something that you might have taken some notes on, end up using. Ask me about it. Ask me about it later. Like I, I love that, but but what I really hope this does is help you understand um, understand that we've thought so much about what digital discipleship looks like that we created a progression that holds us accountable to it. See, when we get to the rift, what we what we've determined is. We've, we've really earned a right to speak about Jesus in their life, to address that rift in their life, right? They, they care about us, and I care about them. Like, when you care about someone else, you care about the things they care about, even if you don't agree. Like, yeah, talk to me about this game you like, because I, I care about you. Talk to me about why this frustrates you, because I care about you. Like, when you get to a point in a relationship where you care about the person, you, you care about the interests of that person. I, I have a little spiel that I give, and it's a little scripted, but... But I want to share it with you um, because I, we get asked this question a lot at Sally Game, like, where does the ministry actually happen? Like, where does the discipleship actually happen? And this is a little, it's kind of a formal spiel that I give. So I'm, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Satellite Gaming's mission statement is pointing students to Jesus Christ by building relationships through video game. How we do that can be summarized in five steps. Arrival. Students show up in our lives or we show up in theirs. Engagement. We acknowledge students' arrival. Factions. They find community and a sense of belonging at SG. Duo cue. Real relationships start to form. Finally, when you have established a trusting relationship, you have earned the right to invite people into the conversations, into conversations about the rift. SG does this through an online Bible study-ish. Now, now we talked about all these waypoints. You might think that the rift is where ministry actually happens. Ministry does happen at the rift. However, if you took away the first way four waypoints at Satellite Gaming, 
students would be left with a Bible study. That's not bad by any means. But if we were to no longer offer the rift and all we had was our first four waypoints, students would experience a beautiful ministry that meets them where they are, invites them into our community, and lays a foundation for lifelong relationships. We love all of our waypoints of satellite gaming, and they each serve as a tool for our ministry. SG has decided that the best thing we can do to point students to Jesus, to leave a lasting impact in their life, is to form intentional relationships where we earn the right to be heard. Now, whether you go and and apply this exact system or not, I hope you see that we really are in the business of making a lasting impact in the lives of others. But I also hope you see that it takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. And and it's not for the faint of heart. Pointing people to Jesus is not about just blasting on a megaphone saying like, Jesus loves you. I believe that's true. Those are true things. And I think that needs to happen at, at times and in certain places, in certain spaces. Like I love that LTN just constantly remind guys, they constantly remind us that Jesus loves us. That's something we need to hear. We need to know that. Like I'll, I'll shout that from the rooftops. But when I'm in a space like Twitch that's just surrounded by people that disagree with me, they don't have to be hanging out with me. I've got to be aware that I want to create a space for them that they feel safe in. Where I'm, where I'm not just asking their name out the gate. I'm not asking for their state they live in right out the gate. And again, if those things are weird to ask, maybe, maybe, maybe for them they wouldn't feel as comfortable if I talked about my faith right away. I, I, know, I know we're going to disagree on that to varying degrees, and, and, and praise the Lord for differences of opinions, right? But I, th- I think one thing that we can all come together and, and agree on is this. You and I, regardless of our strategy, regardless of whether or not we pray for people on our stream or we simply tell them Jesus loves them or or we don't have anything ministry-focused or Jesus-focused on our stream, but, but we pray for our viewers daily. Like, however we go about making digital disciples, you and I, we will fail at times. We will but we can give people a reliable foundation. We can we can give them something to lean on that, that is strong and that lasts forever. And the best thing that you and I can do to ensure that we're making a lasting impact as we make digital disciples is to point people to the person of Jesus Christ. And, and maybe we do that, maybe the way we do that is not with some five-point strategy or some crazy curriculum or some insane biblical education. Maybe, just just maybe, the way that we point people to Jesus is we make a genuine commitment to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. I love you so much. I hope you have an awesome time this weekend, and I hope that you learned something. Thanks, guys.